Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. It is May 22nd and I am not or anything like that. So, how are you? I'm, I'm also very tired because we had... I had to go to Senate over the weekend, and you had to go to do catechesis training. So we're both really exhausted, and it's Monday morning, and we had to wake up early enough to get morning prayers on. And usually, but this is our only morning. That, well, this and Saturday morning is the only morning we really we ever actually sleep in. But we don't sleep in on Monday. But yeah, since the, the podcast and morning prayer has made that not happening we thought we would try recording on sunday evening which we might again this week yeah i yeah. couldn't do it last night we got to figure out a way to do it better though because it's like the, the, that room is not good for it this this actually does <laughs> this this room is pretty pretty good because we're the mattress absorbs a lot of the clinging sounds and we have the sound echoing off the ceiling so it's good so it's perfect acoustically it's, I mean, I don't know about perfect, but it's better than the other one. Well, I think it's important that we continue to sort of discuss our podcast yeah. in this On way. On the podcast. <laughs> this makes it meta or something. <laughs> so I don't have anything to, to talk about today. I mean, I'm. what would you like to talk about? I feel like there's many, many things in the world to, to discuss. Uh, I didn't get to go to Sinan, so that was really sad. And I heard it was really great. Yeah, it was excellent. It was a good, a good Sinan, uh, one of the better ones I've been to. And uh, you know, so he was the bishop. The bishop's address was focused rightly on the sexuality thing again, which is it was last year. But but that's because that's the thing that's you know, most of them now, I think this year more than last year, a lot of the pastors there have had actual interactions with people who are coming to their churches who are either trans or who are, or people who are um, in public schools in their, in their church who have you know, really weird incidents like bathroom. What do I do when my parishioner's daughter has to use the bathroom with a, a man? How do I coach him through that or how do I what, what, what should we say to our people in these because that's and that's going to be increasing over the next several years and, and and if you haven't had it already sooner or later you're going to have somebody come into your church who is identifying as a woman as a man or, or vice versa and and if you haven't thought about it you're going to be in a difficult situation. So, so we last year, last year at the Senate, we, we we finalized the policy on that for our diocese, which you can find online. It's, a, it's an open uh, a document. I chaired the committee to to set it up. But so this year, he was uh, he used the bishop used Genesis one as and two as his um, text. I think it was just one actually. And spoke about creation, 
created order, male, female. It was nice. He didn't, it was, I, I like it when, if you're preaching on Genesis 1, you don't spend a lot of time making the argument against evolutionary constructs or you just preach the text as and it is. Let people decide what they want to decide. Well, I mean, I just, I don't. I well, just, no, I know, but like you don't get into it. You just say this God created the. You just say because it's creation. right. Well, I mean, I like it because it's, it's true. Like you, you don't mess it. Is the 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 assumption I got as he was preaching was that all of that's nonsense. That we're not even going to give it the worthiness of addressing oh. Darwinism. <laughs> we're going to go back to the six day creation with and not worry about. <laughs> Which I, I think is great. That's what you should do. Don't 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 treat this them. Don't treat um, the quote unquote science with with respect because it's, it, it lost that a while back. Yeah, so, especially Darwinian like Darwinian evolution. Yeah, it's yeah. So um, and people, <laughs> I posted on Twitter the vow that we have to say the vows that all the priests in our diocese have to say every year and people some people were really upset what what what's upsetting because we've added like there's there's vows that some priests have to say the 2019 prayer book has ordination vows right mm -hmm. um for priests we've added to those and we've made it something you need to subscribe to every year and we've added like instead of just submitting yourself to the word of god in the old new testaments we also sub we submit ourselves to the inerrant word of god in the Old New Testaments, and we submit ourselves to um, uh, yeah, the 39 articles. We subscribe to those in the vows. Is that not a thing that everybody has to not, do? No, I, I don't think it is. In, no, you know I mean, I, I don't think it would be for Anglo-Catholic dioceses, and I don't think it is um, a thing in a lot of dioceses. Huh. So it used to be. I mean, that was the norm for from the beginning but or since they were written and approved but in the beginning when the lord created <laughs> huh. it, the anglican church but and, and, and you should because i mean the, the ninth day of creation the lord established yeah. the 39 articles right well and because the the jerusalem declaration which we've all signed on to embraces the articles as authoritative so so every every anglican Every ACNA person, clergy person, should submit to those because of the because every ACNA clergy person is obligated to submit to the uh, Jerusalem Declaration and the Kigali Statement. Right? This is what uh, this is what the Kigali Statements cause a lot of people to be really upset in the ACNA. Well, not a lot of people, but a lot of people in certain segments of the ACNA be really upset because Maybe people who uh, who talk about things loudly. Huh. Like, oh uh, yeah, weird angle on Twitter. So it's really, it's really upset about the Kigali statement. Um, I just want to say I'm really sad that it's called the Kigali statement, and we went to Kigali, and I didn't actually get to see anything of Kigali because every time I hear the word Kigali, I wonder what Kigali is like as a place and no, wish that nice, I could go there. <laughs> we had a nice bus ride from the airport to the to Kigali. It was like 15 minutes. Yeah. And then we walked from the hotel to a store. Yeah. And then we walked from the hotel to a restaurant at night. Yeah. But that's about all we saw. Yeah. I I just think it must be a fascinating place. Nairobi was cool. Yeah, we 
We saw, we saw a lot, lot of Nairobi. Nairobi. And we saw a lot of Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. Never thought I would see that. So maybe I just need to call it in my head the Kilimanjaro statement. <laughs> and then... This is yeah. a, I know you can't do that. I'm just... But this you, is off track, obviously. <laughs> well, no, but they, they said... So people were upset because of the... I mean, the no friendship with... Or no fellowship, Christian fellowship with people who are um, leading people into error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just the, the line that has come to be such a gem in my head, and it 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 kind of rattles around in my head, and it's so helpful whenever I'm online or in whatever I'm doing. Actually, is it, it and it's it's I I was really sad. I was super sad when. Christians in the early 2000s dropped the um, love the sin or hate the sin. There was a, a certain moment, Christians had said that. It was kind of glib, of course. It could be a slogan. It could be unkind. You could say it in in ways that made people feel bad about who they were. And and it, and trite, maybe. But love the sin or hate the sin. At some point, I heard people began to say, that that was a wicked thing to say. Right, because if you, you well, right, about yeah. the time that the understanding of the self really shifted, suddenly you could not say that. And I've been sad that Christians have stopped saying that, even though I think they should have kept saying it. Mm-hmm. So, but in the Kigali statement, that wonderful line that Bishop Michael Stead came up with was, since the Lord does not bless sin. And <laughs> yeah. that is just... Been I, I like it. It's not, it wasn't an if then. It was a since. Yeah. Since the Lord does not bless sin, we won't be doing this and this and this and that. We won't be doing that over there. We won't be doing this. We cannot do this thing here since the Lord does not bless sin. And that has just helped me. It's in my head all the time now because it's... It is a, like a truly kind, like if you're looking for biblical kindness, yeah, the Lord is kind in all his works um, and and loving because the Lord is, is loving. Um, since the Lord does not bless sin, we won't be using your pronouns <laughs> because we love you. We, we are being kind to you. We, we love you. We, we won't treat your priests who who are promoting these things as if they're Christians. Yeah. We won't, we won't have table fellowship or Since walk together. Since the Lord does or, not bless sin, right, we right. won't be having dinner together because you are trying to bless sin. Right. And so, and we, we love you. We want you to be, uh, we want you to know the truth and because the truth will set you free. And um, we want you to know the Lord. I just, I thought that was just such an elegant, gracious way of recovering that essential mm-hmm. truth which is that you are to love sinners you must love them and therefore you must hate their sin because, because their you're sin a sinner, is destroying them because you're a sinner and that should be the attitude you have toward yourself yeah right? and you should love you should love your neighbor as yourself yeah. and if you love yourself right rightly you're going to hate your own sin you're going to hate sin and if you love your neighbor right you're going to hate that person's sin because you Sin hurts sin you. Sin hurts you. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's um damaging. I pull all the words together like, um, it's not, 
it's not for your flourishing. <laughs> it won't enable you to um, live into the fullness of who you are. <laughs> so, sorry, I totally got you off track, but. No, that's good. I, was, I really I, love that line. Yeah. Yeah. So people were upset. So I was listening to, I was listening to a podcast yesterday on the way, or no, it was Saturday on the way back from Synod on the, in the car. I was listening to a podcast by the Living Church. The Living Church has a podcast and much, much better, much better produced. The production value How dare is, you. is very our, slick our compared to ours. production values are amazing. <laughs> it's very slick compared to ours. Um, and they had on the, the, the woman who is, the podcast host had on a, an Episcopal priest and an ACNA priest. And if you remember TC, the Living Church is the publication that put out that article two weeks ago after the Kigali statement of, that was celebrating these uh, ACNA seminarians and TEC seminarians talking about how they're all Christians together and maybe one day when the old boomers die out, they can... <laughs> We can, we can have, we can have, go back to the way things were before, before the sexual sexuality thing, which is really no big deal at all. We should just it's don't worry about sort it. Sort of embarrassing. By the cultural way, problem that we have had. BTW, we are Xers. <laughs> the vast majority of those who left, I think, are Xers, not Boomers, and, and so. I do want to just say that it's like that the, no one cares. thinks it. No one thinks about it. Nobody so cares. I was listening, I know, but I was I was listening to. Even our uh, children Matt, don't care. Matt Walsh, or this, his, some, something he was, he was recording came up on my feed for Facebook last night. And he said, yeah, well, the, the boomers are, are the ones who, who gave us the millennials and the millennials, and he's a millennial, Matt Walsh. And the millennials are, you know, the ones who gave us Gen Z. And he was actually defending millennials against Gen Z, like how wonderful millennials, but, but he skipped right over the Xers. Now we were, the Xers are the children of the boomers. Well, but also millennials there, there are, the boomers had both the Xers and the millennials. Uh, yeah, because I know. Of the I know, but we're the fir- we're first. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know that. Nobody we're cares. First. Nobody cares <laughs> that we even exist. People who were born in the 1960s, their parents are from the silent generation. It's the greatest generation, the silent generation, boomer, Xer, millennial, Gen Z. Wait, I thought the silent generation was the greatest generation. No, I looked it up. I looked it up and I I was wrong. We were all wrong. The main point about this is that nobody cares. (laughs) No, it matters. It's like what generation you belong to is like what zodiac sign you're born under or what, or what, uh, what wing you are in the... The Enneagram. Yeah, the Enneagram. So anyway, but the whole point of this was that was that the Living Church had this podcast going on with uh, an Episcopalian and an ACNA priest. And if, I, did I mention before the microphone cut off in the last one that the TLC or the Living Church was was the publication that printed that article like a week after Kigali. No, it wasn't a week. It was, it was really like last week. We we were blogging about yeah, that yeah. last week, or we talked about it last yeah. week. So, so and it was about how the like seminarians that. at Duke and Neshota House were getting together and having quote unquote Christian fellowship and receiving one another as brothers and sisters, despite uh, the affirming stance of the Episcopal seminarians 
and how wonderful it was. And as soon as the boomers die out, they can go back to the way things were, and we don't have to we don't have to um, worry about the sexuality question anymore. So, uh, but that was that, that's like violently in contradiction with Kigali. And so, Neshoda House is under under fire right now because of their that they're producing students with that mindset, which I don't see how you don't do that when you have when you have TEC students in the seminary. You're, you're, if, you, if you're receiving them for Christian training and education, your institution is is necessarily saying these people are Christians. It's an it's audiophora. Like yeah, it's, it's audiophora. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, there's a. I was listening to a podcast in the way back from Synod on Saturday, in which these these two priests were talking. And the, the, granted, the the, the ACNA priest, I forget his name, he's from Texas, who is on the podcast, was better than anyone quoted in. In the article, he was very clear. This is a faith issue. This is something that the Bible says very clearly, and so we can't be in in agreement about this at all. Um, the ACNA, the TEC priest, though, was his friend. They grew up. I guess they were. They, they kind of came up through ministry together. First in a kind of a Pentecostal setting, and then um, and they both came into Anglicanism, and one joined the ACNA, and the other joined the, the, the Episcopal Church. They've been friends for a long time, so it's hard. I mean, I, I also understand how it'd be hard. If your friend is in the Episcopal Church and you've known him, known him for a long time and you, you both work in Christian ministry together before becoming Anglicans, I understand how hard that is to say, oh, my friend has left the faith. But his friend really hasn't. His friend is, and in this case, TLC picked an Episcopal priest who who does not believe that sexuality is... This, 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 the present stance of the Episcopal Church is correct, but he doesn't. He believes it's not correct because it was too fast, right? He he thought the church needed to sit with it for a while and think and contemplate and pray, um, which and I know he doesn't mean it this way. That's that just means we're going to commit heresy slowly. <laughs> it doesn't mean mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna drive off a cliff, but we're gonna do it really really slowly. <laughs> Like slow motion. Yeah, so you, you're all going to sit in the car together and talk, Whoa. and we're just going to we're going to let the car kind of idle, oh, and take our foot off the brakes, <laughs> and then we're going to go over the cliff. But but don't worry, we're not going to speed over the cliff. <laughs> so, Gosh, so. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, but that, that's kind of the way he was presenting it. Like the the, the, the he he thought the the Episcopalian priest who is apparently one of the conservative ones was was thinking that. Um, you know, it's just a matter of the church reassessing scripture and he was all about good order and the instruments of communion and maintaining unity at all costs. This was very, sounded very much like the communion partner people did. And I bet bet he is part of the communion partner. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so it was, it was, it was, I think, I think living church, and it always has been. The church has always been invested in that, in that kind of the communion partner project, keeping everyone involved in, in communion with Canterbury. It's a bit surprising they even had an ACNA guy on there. Um, one of the questions that the, the host asked, though, which I thought was an interesting question, is toward the end. Um, she asked, okay, let's say five years from now, uh, the ACNA and the TEC, the Episcopal Church, have... Have put a put, have beaten their swords into plowshares, and they they've signed a concordat, and they're in intercommunion, and they're together. Um, 
what would this be like? And both of them were saying, this would, that would be so wonderful. That would be just, that would be the golden age of, you know, Jesus would have come back and all the lions and the lambs are lying down together. It's just a, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful time. Not, and I was, I was waiting for the 1880 guy to say, yeah, I mean, that's great. Cause that would mean that the, the Episcopal church would have repented, repented. And since the Lord does not bless sin. Right. 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 He didn't say he was overall, he was a really good, he did it really good in, in the discussion, but he, I, I, there's just, I guess, I guess the point in bringing this up is friendships across theological, like very huge theological gaps. Even, even one that didn't seem so huge listening to the two guys, because they both agreed that the church shouldn't have done what it did in 2003. Um, it, it, they subvert, like they, 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 they keep you like if, if you, if you, let's say you were, or I were theologically liberal and I, I, and let's say I were affirming and we were married, right? Marriages like that are very painful. Yeah. You could, I mean, I mean, you're, how, how likely are you to say, Oh, well, my husband's not a Christian anymore. I mean, hopefully you would say that, but I mean, it's, it, it's it, it they, that's that's why I think the New Testament is so clear about be, being careful about the fellowships you keep because because these fellowships can subvert your faith can make it much more difficult for you to say clearly what the truth is. Yeah, no, that's I mean we've seen that over and over again that people's personal relationships. Well, I mean it it's really the 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 prime example is parents who have a yeah. child who then re- rethink their Christian faith and doctrine and become affirming because a child right. has thrown over Christian faith. And so, I mean, really prominent known yeah. theologians who wrote beautiful, helpful works. I mean, the, the one that still grieves me is Luke Timothy Johnson because yeah. he, he rescued me from the Jesus seminar. I, right. I was reading all the, Marcus Borg stuff, and I, I was like, "This is weird," but Luke Timothy Johnson came in and just eviscerated it, yeah. and it was so good and helpful. I got through college as a Christian, right. really, and then seminary helped his um, his work on Jesus really helped, and then he he threw it all over, and I think that it's very hard to say, okay, well, he's he's left the visible Christian faith yeah. <laughs> because he did that. That's ho- horrible and hard to say, but, but he, if you don't say it, then people continue to read his more recent stuff and think, okay, I can be affirming. And so what, you have what's, to- I actually wouldn't, of all the people who have become affirming, I would encourage them to read his reasons for doing so because he's the one who said, I don't buy the people who tell me that the New Testament or the Old Testament can be can be read in such a way as to affirm what these what my son or my I think I forgot who it was it's son what my son remember, is yeah. doing or you know so there's 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 no there is no way for anyone to read the New Testament in an, in, in an, with integrity and come away thinking that homosexuality is not considered a sin there, a terrible sin there. It in is. The he yeah. said it very clearly. But but my experience 
tells, tells me, me different. Yeah. Right, right. So, so he he's basing he based the, the whole text thing on is wrong. Right, right. I mean, it was it was pretty. It's pretty stunning. It's it's hard. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's utterly tragic. I mean, I'm yeah. It's good. It's good that he he unlike so many has had the guts to say that about I'm the actually text. I'm actually violating the New Testament here. Yeah. <laughs> But I, my heart tells me that I should. Yeah, and I think you should too. Yeah. I mean, so, so, so it's wicked, but it's also, at least it's honest. At least it's not a, he's not trying to, he's not trying to play games, deconstruction games with the text. I mourn again that, I mean, I really think that the reason that this is happening to the church, well, there's so many different reasons why this is happening to the church, but I think that it's one of the reasons is that people don't believe in holiness and they don't believe in heaven you know they everybody thinks even even episcopal clergy think they're going to heaven you know even <laughs> all clergy think they're going to heaven they just justification by birth <laughs> yeah justification by good liturgy and good feelings and all americans 75 percent of americans think they're going to heaven even if they don't believe in heaven, they think they're going to heaven. I think that's just the thing. That, the thing nobody's I saw afraid, recently, like, right? <laughs> nobody's right. afraid of God. So, and and the, what's really tragic is when the clergy are not afraid of God. Right. When your clergy are not afraid that they might go to hell if they, um, if they don't accept our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into their hearts as their personal Savior, then they aren't worried about their associations with people. They think that their kindliness, their feelings of affection and kindness for people are what saves them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's been traded for the gospel is my personal affection for my neighbors and my feelings of kindness and my kind acts are what people, what saves people from a hell that doesn't exist anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not true. Like your feelings of affection for your neighbors and friends don't save them right and there is a hell and it's one of the you should not yeah. want your neighbors and friends if you really loved your neighbors and friends you wouldn't want them to go to hell you wouldn't want that for them like i don't want the guy who's flying the satan flag down the street Actually, i don't i don't know how to i don't have a relationship with him but i've been praying for him a lot i don't want him to go to hell he's flying a satan flag like he wants to go to hell. If you're passing by, like, <laughs> and our neighborhood like, is like totally, it's totally the norm for people to have the, the, the gay flag, the rainbow flag. Right. right. Pride month in so, a few minutes is going to be so, so intolerable because we everybody's going to, who doesn't have them all the time is going to get them out. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be like yeah. wall to wall rainbow here in a few weeks, which I might have to leave. High festival of Satanism. But we were, we were, we were walking, or I was walking by myself one time, one day, and I turned up Beethoven Street. And there's this really nice white house. They ruined the porch. They redid some porch work, but it was a really nice house. And I saw this black flag fluttering in the morning breeze. <laughs> in the breeze, and I, I thought I, that that looks like a pentagram upside down. And um, I it said, is. I, 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 I can't be a pentagram upside down. I, I got closer, and yep, yeah, it was a pentagram. Like somebody... A goat's head in the pentagram. So it's either like all out Satanist, or it could just be Wiccan. But both, I think, it's the same thing. Well, it's... But it's a single man who lives there too it's like <laughs> i and he he works he gardens yeah he's, he's a nice garden on the back here garden and he's really conscientious about keeping his house yeah like, yeah he has a nice car but this is like he's satanism like a truck. right he's like a, a it, ford <laughs> that could indicate that he's not like a sat a 
Satanist in the sense of worshiping Satan, at least he doesn't think he is. He's a Satanist in the sense of the Church of Satan, which is more like the church is humanism right right which is also satan which is yeah the church of satan is like if you took all the things that carl truman was writing about in rise and triumph and embraced them instead of rejecting them that's the church of satan that's it you 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 are the god of your own universe and you did you should do whatever the heck you want and just don't hurt anybody else and that's that's basically the church of satan doctrine Uh, don't believe anything too too strongly except in yourself yeah. I believe in me. I believe in me. But anyway, the, the yeah, I mean, the, what were we talking? We were talking. Yeah, I lost the train. I'm of too tired and to I, be doing this today. I, know, I, know. I just think, like, I you were making an interesting point before well, we talked. People, about. that that like, we're 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 called to love our neighbors as ourselves. I don't want to go to hell. I believe that there's a, a literal hell. Just like, That's what we're talking about. And I go to hell and be with satan forever even though that's what he thinks yeah. well he doesn't think that that's a thing like people who believe who worship satan still think they're going to heaven you know like i wonder how many people who openly worship satan if you ask them about heaven would probably <laughs> describe heaven where the, as a place where they go when they die my feelings though don't have any bearing on reality right like, my my anxiety or hopes for my neighbors don't save them. Right. Only the gospel of Jesus, you know, hearing it will save them. And so, and, you know, that's a really basic thing that even children can understand. Even children know know what I've just said and they get it. Um, Anglican and Episcopal clergy, though, don't, don't get, get this. And increasingly, people in other denominations don't get it, too. Like, I'm hearing Southern Baptists say, well, you know, I can't cut off people because that would be unkind. Well, first of all, it's not your relationship to that person that saves them. It's the truth of Christ right. that brings salvation. And if you if you maintain your close connections with people who claim to be Christian and are teaching error, you're making it, you're, you're really acting in, in hatred. Mm -hmm. You just are, even if you don't feel like you are, you are to that person, to that person. And to all the people who are listening to their podcasts and they're reading their articles or listening to their sermons. So this is what I mean. We said, I mean, this is an old, I mentioned this in the Stanford podcast last week. This is an old pet peeve I had. Is that I, I get, I got the sense, like, listen, the, the same dialogue that's been going on between Episcopalians and ACNA people who want to be one with them. Uh, that, that dialogue is so elitist. It's so, it's, it's, it's people who are going to, to the, you know, rarefied academic seminaries together and who really, you know, have have, have, fought, have bonded together, drinking sherry together, you know, in some in some elite institution, and and they, they don't see what the big deal is, right? So it doesn't matter. Meanwhile, they're going to go to churches, the ACNA people are, where people are struggling with their sexuality, yeah, and who are having a hard time knowing what's right because their desires are pulling them away from God, yeah, and they, and maybe they've maintained. A faithful stance and they love jesus but they see their their priests hobnobbing it with 
their good buddy in the TC who's affirming yeah. and calling their good buddy Christian, then, then that's, then why would you hold on? You know, so it's like, it's like the alcoholic, you know, who, who, who is told by, you know, maybe his priest or his church, you should, you should get drunk. <laughs> or yeah. if you do get drunk, it's no big deal. Cause I, my friend over here, he is pro drunkenness and he's a Christian. So, you know, look, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And the Lord, you know, the Lord does sometimes, occasionally the Lord does decide to bless sin randomly. Yeah. Just randomly. Like he just thinks, okay, I'm today. You know what guys? I, was, I, I feel like <laughs> right. I'm the Jesus. Right. I'm wearing my tuxedo today. <laughs> And I just want everybody to get along today. Later, I might, you know, change yeah. my mind about some things. But today, you know, I just, I want you to flourish in whatever way is good for you right. that you feel like. Right, right. <laughs> so it's, 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 I mean, it's, that, and the thing is about the sex, sexual issues, sexual sin, this is another thing where I think a lot of, People don't have to, they don't actually have personal experience of, of, of Christians caught in the mire and right. the sort of unraveling that happens when you get caught by something. If you commit adultery, there's this ripple effect through the whole church and their family and the, and, and the misery, the immiseration that comes when somebody gets stuck on a porn addiction right. or decides to commit adultery or um, get just begins to accept right. the lies that are available on for cheap offer online. And, and, and then it, it's everybody around that person, the pastor, all the other Christians in the church who are, I mean, it, it affects everyone because everybody's connected. It's a body. If a man leaves his wife, that is so painful for the whole body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If a, a person who decides to become trans, who's been a Christian, that's going to be not only painful for that person because they're, they're just wrapping themselves up in a lie, like a blanket. And like yeah. that everybody around them who, who wants to minister to them, who wants to care for them, who has feelings of affection for them, everybody's stuck. Right. And so the priest who wants to feel happy at church meetings or right. have lunch with his old buddy right. is committing his congregation to hell in the long term and in the near yeah. term. So count the cost. Right. Like count the cost of, of your affirmation during Pride Month. Yeah. Yeah, when I'd be you, interested in Pride Month to see people how think many, about what that love really right. looks like. I'd be, I'll be interested in this to see how many ACNA priests in certain regions uh, are no longer going to be shy about celebrating Pride. No, they, and they'll say we're not affirming behavior, but we want to love our. We want to love our. Right, 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 right. So um, I'll just that just footnote that and, and wait in a few days. Let's see what happens when June June first hits. Uh, but I, okay, so back to the point about this, the way 
people are thinking has has, has changed over the course of the last uh, several decades. We, yesterday during Christian Ed, we were talking about the ascension and and the, the, how, how hard it is for Americans to have a king. We have, we have a, we have not just a king; we have the king of kings and lord of lords. So we're we are used, we're just fundamentally just politically we're used to saying, "All right, we don't like this law. We don't like this uh, this rule. We don't like this president. We don't like this congressperson. We don't like this whatever." And so we're going to go to the booth and vote this person out. That's just been the way. We're, that's the that's the political system we're raised in. Whether it's working now or not, I don't want to get into. But that's that's just. The That's, reader, it's not right, working. right, right, and that and that dovetails, of course, with 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 your own sense of being God, right? Your, your own sense of I get to choose what's right and wrong for me. I get to conform the world around me to myself, and and so that includes my political system. What do you do with a king, though? I mean, what do you do with a king who you can't vote out, who just says things that you don't like, and who may who, who has the power to enforce them? You, you, it's not that then ultimately when you run up against Jesus, you're running up against someone who will not change his mind and will not bend. And you're running up against someone to whom you will one day bend. Yeah. You have, you have, you have no choice about it. You have no, you, this is, it's reality, right? It's, it's a reality bigger than yourself that you, it's not plastic, right? We, so I think we all you know, in, the, in the West have, have persuaded ourselves that reality is plastic and we can form it and shape it how we like, but Jesus is not to be formed or shaped. So, so in the end, what's going to happen is either you're going to submit yourself and conform yourself to him, or you're going to be conformed, whether you like it or not. And in either a good way, and in the sense that Christian will be conformed to him, or you'll be, or you'll, you'll just have to be, you'll, you'll be submitted to his yoke by force, which you don't want to happen. I just encourage everybody to read. If you want to know, where you're headed, whatever denomination you are, read the great divorce and, and the, the Anglican bishops who are in hell still talking, like they're still chattering away about their, their expansive theological ideas. Right. Right. uh, And how clever they are. And, and how like, brave they are. How like, brave. They're, 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 they're stunning and brave. The, the Episcopal Bishop is saying how how brave he was to publish his work about you know, how Jesus isn't God. Or something like that. And and the go the, 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 the good the person who's trying to persuade the bishop to go to heaven um is saying is that was that really brave? Because yeah. like you got you got like a lot. Of, you got a lot of money. For you got that. a lot of money, and everyone loved you for saying that, and you 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 got famous for that. <laughs> same thing, same dynamic that happens, you know, with the hat maker and you know others yeah. who just decide they're going to go. I, I was so brave. It was so brave of me Stunning. to say exactly this thing that everybody wanted me to say, and then <laughs> they gave me a lot of money to say. <laughs> right, right, right. I got it. To, you know, it's, it was so hard for me to get that job writing in the New York Times, bashing the church, <laughs> because. <laughs> Because man, I you know I've, I've I've really suffered since I've done that. By you know, that's oddly specific. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, right. I think that we've talked a long time. I hope we can stitch these together. Yeah. And we should go over uh, to demotivations for a few minutes. I just I would like to thank the two people who just became paid subscribers suddenly this morning. I don't know. I I. 
I didn't do... You failed last week. I really, I didn't do Anne Reads the Comments on Saturday, and I didn't blog yesterday, and that's because I'm a limited human creature, and I can't, I can only do a certain amount of work, and uh, my training that I'm hosting, the, the formation leader is coming from Pennsylvania for three, three and a half hours away, and we had 11 people, I think, total we might have 13 whenever when everybody's able to come um, was really good and again if you're looking for a way to bring children into the christian faith catechesis of the good shepherd which is really hard because it's 90 hours of training and then you have to pay for the training and then you have to travel to the training and then you have to make all the stuff you can't buy all the stuff you've got to make a lot of it yourself mm -hmm. you've got to work really hard to bring children into the Christian faith. And my question that I always have is why wouldn't you do that? Like, why would you want, when you're talking about children, why would you want something that just comes out of a box? Yeah. Some coloring pages. Why wouldn't you spend yourself nor count the cost when you're talking about the faith of young children to know Jesus? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, anyway, thanks so much for listening <laughs> and uh, follow us over to D Motivations, or we'll be back here next week.